Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Last week I mentioned that the Gospel of Mark moves pretty fast. We're going to again see those action words which are so very common in Mark's Gospels. I think last week we saw three at once's and today we get to see the word immediately. In fact, the gospel story is moving so fast that some say this section that we're going to look at today is roughly 36 hours, and Mark covers it in just 10 verses. Yet in that short time, we see quite a bit worth mentioning that we might miss because, as you guessed, the text ends with the action continuing and Jesus and the disciples getting up and moving on. And while Mark likes to keep the story moving and going with miracles and healings and exorcisms here in the first chapter, Jesus will show us something that in the midst of the hurry and the busy and the things to do and the never-ending list and the action that life has and how it is always moving, it is very important to root our hearts and our minds to God our Father. So let's dive into our text. If you brought your Bibles, you can pull those out once again to Mark chapter 1. It'll be in your bulletin as well in that gospel reading if you want to follow along. Or as always, it's on the screen behind me. And the first thing we're going to see is what is considered the most inconsequential miracle that Jesus does. I'll read it again. As soon as they left, they went, James and John, to the home of Simon. That's Peter. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed fever. They told Jesus about her. He goes to her, takes her hand, helps her up. The fever leaves and she begins to wait on them. Now, if you read it back a little bit, you'll see that the synagogue service ended and Jesus went with those disciples who we often see quite, uh, who we often see mentioned together, Simon and James and John, and they're in Peter's house. And Jesus has every right to rest after a very long day of teaching and healing, but once again, his power is appealed to. And once again, we see Jesus spending himself for the sake of others. And like I said, this second recorded miracle in Mark's gospel may be considered the most insignificant one that Jesus does. But it is showing us what kind of person he is. It's showing us the character of God here. That he does not require an audience to exert his power because Jesus is not seeking popularity or popular approval. For in the grand scheme of life and in the grand scheme of the world, healing a fever is maybe not as amazing or powerful as, say, raising the dead or healing the eye, opening the eyes of a blind man. Or is it? See, we may expect something more sensational, especially at the beginning of a gospel. But Jesus' miracles are always just signs, both of his mercy and his desire of us to make us new people. A miracle to Jesus, even a small one to a mother-in-law in a very tiny room which only a few could see was not a means of increasing his prestige. It's the heart of Jesus, simply interested in helping those who need his help. For we see that Jesus is never tired of helping people. The needs of others always take precedence over his own desire to rest the needs of the forgiveness of sins of others takes precedence even over his own life. And what we see in this miracle, and really in every miracle, is the heart of Jesus to love, to serve, and to help. 
And so there's this real important detail here that I want to draw out that I think we need to see. And it's this. The disciples have not known Jesus for a very long time here. But already they are beginning to take all of their troubles to him. I want to say that again. The disciples haven't known Jesus for very long here, yet already they are taking their troubles to him. The woman was ill. The simple home was upset. And it was for the disciples the most natural thing in the world to tell Jesus all about it. And this became for them the habit of a lifetime. And I pray that it will become our habit as well for us to bring whatever bothers us to Jesus, to be, able, to be able to come in confidence to the Lord and ask to be healed, to bear our hearts, to cry, to laugh, to share. Because we know that Jesus never says that he is too busy or that Jesus doesn't care or that this thing that you're asking me isn't important or this is beneath my power. The healing by Jesus the love of Jesus is always personal. And if you look again at that text, you see this little detail. You may be distracted by the cure, but look what it says. He went to her. He took her hand. He helped her up. A personal touch, a helping up. Countless times we will see Jesus touch those who can't be touched. Help those who have no place, who have lost their ability to be a part of society or to have a place in the home, and Jesus helps them up. And maybe you hadn't heard yet, but he comes for you in this exact same way. In your fear, in your brokenness, in your exhaustion, in your sin, he comes to you and with his very own hands reaches down to you. He gives strength to the weary, Increases the power of the weak, we read. We read a bruised reed he doesn't break, that a smoldering wick he doesn't snuff out. We read that he has borne our griefs and that he carries our sorrows. We read and we hear him with our own ears say, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. He heals the brokenhearted. He restores those who are crushed in spirit. He even says, Take my yoke upon you. And did you know that that doesn't mean that he's the one telling you where to go? It means that in that yoke, he's right there next to you, helping you carry the load. We heard from the prophet Isaiah read for us already that the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator, that he does not grow tired, that he does not grow weary, that he gives strength to us, that even when we are tired or weary or young or we are stumbling and falling or we are old, those who hope in the Lord renew their strength, soar on wings like eagles. He restores you personally, in his love and his service to you, gives you real life, which is why it is so very important to draw off alone to him, to go to him. Look at what we learn. In verse 35, it says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus leaves the house and goes off to this place to pray. After a long day of healing everyone in the town, you would think that he might want to sleep in. In fact, we may even say, you know what, Jesus, go ahead and rest for a little bit. 
Yet you find him making less time for sleep and making more time for prayer. And he doesn't need to pray because he's weak. He prays because he is strong. And the source of his strength is the relationship with God the Father, knowing that pressure and busyness should drive us towards prayer, not away from it. And we may not know exactly what Jesus prayed for, but as much as anything, we know that he uses this time of prayer for that close, intimate communion with God the Father that he longed for, which nourishes and strengthens the soul. And if we had to guess, we would guess that he prays for himself, that he prays for the disciples, that he prays for those that he met and ministered to the night before, that he's going to pray for those he will meet and minister to meet in the coming day a pattern which we should do well to imitate. In fact, Charles Spurgeon would go so far as saying that nobody should look or talk to anybody until they have first spoken to God. Even parents with newborns, as hard as that might be. This passage, this one line that Mark quickly throws into us, shows us many things about our prayer life, and especially the prayer life of Jesus. That fellowship with God is something that is far more than just something you can get to once in a while. But that we must go to God alone in prayer. For it is only there that we can pour our hearts out to Him. As a disciple, we learn from Jesus what is prayer. By watching Him here. Having a life in communion with the Father. Where we see that prayer is the starting point and the conclusion of each day which gives the strength to not fall into temptation and and springs us out forth in that mission that he calls us to. And to hammer it home even further, if prayer was important for Jesus, how much more necessary is it for us to have that opportunity to, to feed our mental powers on God himself? And when we do that, when we draw close to him, It prevents us from kind of relaxing in our own self-righteousness. It takes us away from all the noises and distractions of the world and instead makes us alert to the voice and to the spirit and to the heart of God. Prayer allows us to go into the very presence of the Creator and experience His heart, experiences His hands as they come to hold us and wrap around us. To experience His Spirit renewing our strength to find rest in Him, which as we looked at last week, that is what belief is, trusting and resting in God. And as the text continues, the disciples go and they look for Him, like, what are you doing here? Everyone wants to see you. Don't you want to ride out this wave of popularity? Don't you want to kind of bask in this greatness here? And Jesus says, there's no time for that. We got to get going we got to get moving there are still more who need to hear the good news and this is early in the relationship many more times the disciples are going to come and say whenever we can't find Jesus he must be off somewhere praying and we're also going to find that when everyone wants something from him when there's so much to do when so much seems to be against him you will find your Lord Jesus praying But he never rests. He keeps going. Whether that's to help, to love, to serve, or to die, he keeps going. And in case you forgot, he doesn't rest very long in a tomb either. 
but he keeps going so that all can hear the good news that has come and the life that comes with following Jesus. And I'll close with this. If the habit that we are to have is to bring what bothers us to Jesus, it mustn't stop there. The habit habit must also be to take what he has given us and give it to others. See, Peter's mother-in-law leads the way in how to respond to the healing and loving touch of Jesus. And that is to get up, go, and serve. No sooner was she healed than she began to attend to the needs of the house. She used that recovered health for renewed service. And Jesus helps so that we may help too. All his subsequent miracles are meant to enable crippled limbs to get up and go. He heals feet so we can walk after him. He heals hands to receive and share like him. He heals our ears to listen to his truth. He heals our mouth to speak his hope. He heals our eyes so that we can look to the one who makes us who we are because the truth is each one of us has a small fever. And more often than not, it prevents us from loving. It develops inside us. It infects us and enslaves us to our own desires to use our gifts, our powers for ourselves or worse, to use it to exploit others. But Christ Jesus comes to free us from that fever, that sickness of sin. So it is no wonder that we come here to confess our sins and to hear how we are forgiven. It is no wonder that every day we must come to him to be healed and loved so that we may do the same. So that we may go where he goes. So that we may do the work that he does. Holding nothing back. Because I believe that we were healed and that we were born and made new and we were loved for such a time as this. Whether that's working with vulnerable children, whether that's feeding the hungry, whether it's visiting the sick and the hurting in the hospital, whether it's simply praying for others or being a guide to someone as they spend time in the Word, He sends us to go. And it will require some change. It will require quite a bit of prayer and time. But make no mistake, people need you. They need you to be the hands of Jesus, the voice of truth of Jesus, the one who listens and cares in his name. There's this very powerful quote from St. Catherine of Siena that I contemplate from time to time that says, be who God meant you to be and you will set the world on fire. No one takes that step for you. And then it won't be easy, but it certainly is worth it because the Lord himself has called you to more and invites you to go where he leads you. And if you think that your service will be just inconsequential, insignificant, like a fever being healed, well, know that it is a a little act is a miracle. In Africa, I got to sit with the women who sit and serve all of those children. 
my daughter and I sit because she's in confirmation and she says, why, doesn't, why don't we see more miracles anymore? Why isn't there they're casting out of demons anymore? Why isn't there waves being split and people walking on dry ground? And I said, if you'll just open your eyes, you'll see miracles. Because those women go out into tiny homes where people are abused and have no parents and have nothing and they speak and they bring hope and they touch and they lift up and they give. And if you think for one second that we're not doing that here, then you are wrong. Because each one of you does the same through a kind word, through a smile, through giving, through serving, through being who God has made you to be. You are His miracle to bring love and to bring hope and to bring glory to his name through what we do. Amen.